Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly, slash perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. I just want to take a moment at the beginning of this story to give you a content warning. This story contains scenes of substance abuse, alcoholism. It also contains scenes of family violence, specifically of a parent being physically abusive of a child. And it includes some really in-your-face parent death. So I want to bring that up at the beginning because some of these topics may be very upsetting for potential listeners, and I do not want to make anybody feel bad with these stories. Um, that's not the point. And so if those are things that you would rather not consume, then I suggest you move ahead to some other episodes that are not this story in specific. And I'm going to include this sort of content warning on any story like this in the future. Um, thanks for listening. Okay, let's dive right back in with part two of Daddy Used to Drink Too Much. I've got my reading wine. That does really help set the mood when it comes to reading vampire fiction. That really does recreate the experience of hearing me do a reading at a con also where almost always and at any time of day I have to pull out a little flask and have a little nip before I stand in front of a room full of strangers to read you know words that came out of my brain um, that I thought the world might like to hear so let's jump back in That night, I sat on the windowsill again, perched like a little bird. I had aimed to hurt him, and that fist to the face was my prize. It was a trophy. It was the closest I'd ever get to hitting back. I didn't feel pride or joy at that tiny measure of revenge, but I did feel something like righteousness, the dark pride of a shameful accomplishment. The woods were quiet. A few hoot owls greeted each other. I realized after a few minutes they'd stopped entirely. Soon I heard what had shushed them, the voice of a young man singing to himself amongst the trees. The song was one I'd heard my mother sing many times when her voice was strong. I'm just a wayfaring stranger, traveling through this world of woe. There's no sickness, toil, or danger in that bright land to which I go. I'm going there to see my mother. I'm going there no more to Rome. 
It was a high, lilting tune, and in my mind I always saw a lonesome figure tracing some far horizon as they made their way from this world to the next. The boy's voice was as pure as an angel's, and I barely breathed as he neared the house. I hadn't thought on that song in years, but it seemed to have been written just for me. The singer, Percy, emerged from the woods singing one of the last lines. I want to shout Salvation's story in concert with the blood-washed band. He looked about my age with long orange hair and pale skin gone silver in the moonlight. He wore dark clothes and an old gray cloak called an Inverness coat. It had a coal company logo on it in bright white stitching. Percy was thin like he'd snap in a strong wind. He smiled at me. His canine teeth were bone white, sharp, and long as the blades on a pair of sewing scissors. I knew exactly what he was. From books. Percy asked me why I was crying. I told him everything, and in the blink of an eye, he was next to me, his hand around my own. He whispered into my left ear, Let's go for a walk. We walked hand in hand, up and down hills and through pitch-black woods I would have feared in full daylight. He asked a hundred questions, and I talked, all the words I'd fenced off in two weeks of silence since Mama died. I told him more than that, too, things I'd never thought to say to another person. He listened like it was important to him. Hours later, I realized he had led me in zigzags back at the cabin, right to my window, without me even noticing. Will he drink again tomorrow? I don't know, I said. I'll be here. Percy's eyes were half-closed, very dark, and twice as sharp. He leaned in close to whisper. I'll tell him he has to stop. It made me feel better than I could have hoped. I'd never kissed a boy before and didn't know what to expect, but I knew it was about to happen. Percy clamped his mouth against my neck instead, where the big veins are, and bit down with those perfect white teeth. Compared to the bruises on my jaw and around my eye, it barely hurt at all. The next morning I went out to do some chores so Daddy could be alone when he woke up. Around midday, he ate a little bread and plunged his head straight into the creek out back before hefting his toolbox and going to do some work. I didn't see him at supper. He walked in just before the clock struck ten that night while I sat at the table. Daddy sagged in the chair across from me, across from me his skin a waxy gray. He drew a breath, but this time it was my turn not to let him talk. You said you wouldn't do that again. I'm sorry. His voice was clotted. Never again. I tried to meet his eyes, but he avoided me. It didn't matter. I was sure of myself, and he sounded like he was a hundred miles away. I had the advantage. I promise. I've got someone around to make sure you keep that promise. I nodded at the window. Out there, in the woods, my friend Percy's going to stop you. Percy had told me he'd wait for Daddy to return, and he had. We had waited hours for this. Percy was standing in the window right outside. Daddy went pink and purple-red in about two seconds and stood away from the table. Who the hell is that? Is that some boy from school? He was instantly furious, ashamed of himself and of having someone know his shame. Daddy's voice shook as he bellowed, Get in here, boy! There was a sound like a scythe through grass and Percy was standing inside with us. 
He'd gone around the house, through the door, and across the kitchen in less time than a heart takes to beat. He was scrawny next to Daddy, but he was ten times as strong. Daddy balled up one fist, but Percy put his own tiny hand around that fist and twisted it hard. He hissed like a big cat and swung so fast I barely saw his other hand connect with Daddy's jaw. Daddy flew backwards and slid rhythmically across the old slat floor. Percy leapt through the air before he'd stopped and landed astride him. He dragged Daddy halfway to sitting by the back of his neck and punched him square in the face once, then twice, a third time. Percy's feature twisted in rage and he roared once, echoing across the little cabin. Then he leaned close. His voice was real quiet and smooth. He wasn't breathing hard at all. You don't tell me what to do, he whispered. Daddy's eyes went real wide and shook. Percy's put a hand over Daddy's mouth to keep him quiet. You be real sweet to her. Be a good boy and do what I say or else. You got that? Percy's fangs clicked his other teeth as he spoke, right in Daddy's ear. It twisted my guts. More fists, more anger. But it was also enticing in a way I wouldn't have expected. Close together like that, they made some mockery of intimacy that Daddy had. Close together like that, they made the same mockery of intimacy that Daddy had when he slapped my face with hands that had previously worked to provide. Daddy gawped at Percy's ultimatum, but finally nodded. Good, Percy said. Now clean up while we go for a walk. Tears sprang into the corner of Daddy's eyes. Percy let him go, and he looked at me with the very last of the anger he'd felt when he saw Percy at the window. My daughter taken off into the woods with the devil? Better the woods with the devil than this house with you. I ran one hand down my own cheek after I spoke. That night, Percy sang me songs from all over while we walked. The next day, Daddy was real nice, and the day after that. And we went on that way for three weeks. Daddy acted right. I didn't get hit. And Percy would show up after sunset to sing me songs while the moon got thin, disappeared, and came back. I'm going to go ahead and stop there. Uh, I know that's a little bit short as episodes go, but I kind of like to break this story into three parts. And so when we come back, we will finish. Daddy used to drink too much. Oh, okay. So commentary time. Um, you know, I said yesterday that there are elements of this story that are not anything that I have personally experienced, but that come from my family's history. And that includes on, uh, in some ancestors, some stories of some pretty significant domestic violence and some pretty significant, uh, substance abuse, alcoholism. And, uh, (laughs) he says, as he has another sip of his reading wine, but, um, you know, those stories were handed down to me by somebody who had been told them by the people to whom it happened. Actually, my parents went out of their way for us to never know these things. Um, but one of my sisters told me all about that kind of stuff, uh, because she found it out from the people generations back in our family. She was significantly older than I was. And, uh, she heard a lot of stories from people that I never really had a chance to have that sort of relationship with. So 
there are parts of this that come directly from my family history. The part in this segment that came from my family history that I did not remember using or drawing on or putting in, but as soon as I started reading it, realized was very directly my own experience was that experience of like finally finding somebody that I found interesting and who found me interesting and my family just being fucking terrified of the possibility that I had met somebody and that that was that, and that I was just running off with the devil basically. Um, in my case, it was that, you know, I was sneaking out to go to meetings of P flag parents and friends of lesbians and gays, which like, is probably still around, but from the late eighties, early nineties, they were like the way for queer kids to find people who would be accepting of them if they did not have the good fortune to already know such people. And there was a PFLAG chapter in Asheville, and I could go to Asheville and say I was doing something else and go to a PFLAG meeting, and that was how I met the guy that I went on my first few dates with. Um, my parents, meanwhile, knew that something was going on and were just freaking out over the possibility that it was a guy. And the effort to contain that freak out so that they did not have to actually confront what was happening was I think even more of a freak out for them. Um, but that's not really my problem in the same way that, uh, our narrator's father's issues both are her, they're a problem that she has to experience because of the choices that her father has made, but they are not necessarily her problem to solve. And, she just has to learn to get by with it. And so like drawing on all that, um, now that I'm reading it again, I'm remembering the mind frames in which I wrote it. And I was really drawing on that uh, in a way that I did not remember. It's interesting, the stuff from her own life that shows back up on the page and the ways that that can surprise us. You know, last time I said that I was kind of startled by some of the things from my family's history that I have included. And... Um, and I guess today that was the thing that startled me anyway. Uh, thanks for listening. And tomorrow, possibly next week, uh, we will finish this up and next week we'll do the first episode of public domain radio when I will start reading Dracula, my favorite novel of all time as specifically requested by you. So, um, talk to you then. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution License at ccmixter.org. Thank you.